Why is everybody moving to Alberta? Seriously. I mean, come on. You got lots of flat fields, cold weather, cows, stuff like that, big trucks. I don't know what's going on. Regardless as to how you feel about Alberta, it is happening. People are moving there, they're investing there, and they're definitely, definitely, definitely doing it in mass, seeing it now more than ever, people making that transition to Alberta. So we're going to talk about that today. What are we seeing? Why are people making the move specifically? We'll talk about why people are doing this. We're going to talk about investing as well and why people are investing and where and what they're seeing and what it looks like to get started if that's something you're considering doing. Listen, folks, Alberta's hot right now, and so we're talking about it. And if you want to find out more about it, listen to this episode right now. But when you're done, you got to make sure to do us one favor and go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, five-star review on Spotify because you know you love it. And when you're ready to get your mortgage put up in the right direction because you want to work with experts who give a crap, you got to make sure to reach out to us at Thrive Mortgage Co. Find us online at thrivemortgage.ca or our Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. Go follow us there. Give us a shout out. We love it. Anyhow, folks, enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, guys. It looks like we are going to need to uh, become fans, or a lot of people are about to become fans of Calgary Flames or Edmonton Oilers, although after the most recent playoff runs here, I guess we'll wait and see how many people are going to be joining the bandwagon. But with that being said, um, hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more uh, Canucks fans just migrating across the country. And the reason we're talking about this right now is because more than ever before, we are just seeing a whack little people decide to pack up, say, F this, I'm done with BC, and they move on to Alberta. It's been a trend and you know, whether it's like first time buyers, whether it's uh, people packing up their families and moving, whether it's investors, which we'll touch on in a little bit here, just seems like there's a wave and this isn't something new. We've had Mike Ponty join us on the podcast. I think it was six or 12 months ago to talk a little bit about this, but you know, right now we're seeing it just, it just seems like every third or fourth person is talking about doing this right now it's crazy so i figure we come on talk a little bit about who's moving uh, why they're doing it um talk a little bit about investments and what people are seeing there and why they're investing there and then just from our perspective some things to think about if you're thinking about making that move or you're thinking about investing in alberta um gents take it away yeah i mean i think the what everything that we're going to talk to will tie into is affordability like I think that is the the common denominator of why people are purchasing out there, moving out there. It's affordability. Um, the people that I've personally seen over the last four months making this move, I've seen families, I've seen people that have just come to recognize that they're literally not going to be able to get out of their townhouse. Like they're, it's not realistic for them to get into a detached home, and they have kids, and they want a better life for their kids, and they're making this move to go out there get into a bigger home. Um, I've had a lot of people investing in real estate, so not actually physically moving there. Um, I think the the mindset of buying rental properties locally, 
it started to fizzle away a little bit when we went through that really busy market because it was number one you couldn't even get a house because it was so busy you're having to overpay rents here are not really covering costs um because property values are so high and rents have not increased increased accordingly um you spend the same money in alberta for what you spend here and you're actually producing cash flow right uh, you might not see the appreciation out there but right now there actually is appreciation property values are going up and it's because all these people are going there so yeah just it all ties into affordability but there's so many different situa situations that we're seeing yeah i think it's been tough to to be able to pick up the bags and leave because of work and other you know requirements that keep somebody here in in you know where we are in langley or, or vancouver or really anywhere in the lower mainland uh the the stickiness of the job in life is just what's obviously had a you know a challenge for people to actually leave and now with work remote opportunities becoming far more available um, people are able to just you know literally do that and, and and go to those those next towns that are far more you know cheaper whether it's calgary alberta i mean that's the topic here but you know there's a lot of there's a lot of places across our country whether even in bc for that matter that that are more affordable and 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 just to be able to you know simply pack up your bags and, and keep working and not really miss a beat from an income standpoint is is, is huge so I think what we'll try to do is we'll talk a little bit about why people are moving there to start off with, and uh, we'll we'll filter in the investment piece and definitely have a, a separate conversation on that because, um, you know, I, I was just looking while you guys were talking about that at uh, about ten active clients just to kind of figure out who is doing what here, and this is crazy, but four uh, out of the ten active uh, files that we have right now are in uh, Alberta properties, uh, three investments and one migration. So definitely like it's a real thing. That's like 40% of the deals that I'm actively working on at this moment right now, which is wild. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, the, of like what's going on and the, the move. So like just talking about the families that you just mentioned here and making the move, like let's just talk about the people that are moving for themselves for a minute here. I mean, first and foremost, like the reasons why people are making this move here, as you mentioned, like remote work, it gives them the ability to do so. but you know, uh, from my perspective, what I hear from a lot of families, like first and foremost, I think we should just hit it nail on the head is cost of living. Um, the cost of living in British Columbia, whether you're in Vancouver or you're in Langley specifically, or you're in Chilliwack, the cost of living, I mean, we don't need to look too far to see how, how much real estate prices have gone up in one or two years. And even though we're seeing things kind of come back down to earth a little bit here, chances are it's not going to have a dramatic change and we're definitely not going to Alberta numbers anytime soon. So people are selling their, their single family detached homes in, in, in Langley and Abbotsford for 1.2 to $1.5 million. And they're looking at Calgary and Alberta and they're seeing these basically like massive, beautiful homes for 800 grand or, you know, in some cases less depending on what you want. Right. So basically saying, oh, I'm going to live mortgage free or, or like you mentioned with a townhome, I can actually get into a home with a yard. So cost of living is absolutely massive. I mean, uh, Derek, you were touching on gas and food prices before, or not food, sorry, gas prices and so forth, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot outside of housing. I mean, and on that note, rental prices, even if you're not buying a home, rent is obviously a lot cheaper out there as well, depending on the city that you're in. I think that all ties into housing prices, but like taxes are lower. Uh, gas is cheaper. There's property transfer tax but it is a fraction of what you pay here on a million dollar home here you pay eighteen thousand dollars in alberta i think it's a thousand bucks or less right so like there's just in general there's so many costs uh that are dramatically lower um i believe that 
there is some form of healthcare that actually ends up being cheaper in Alberta as well compared to BC. Uh, gas obviously tying into oil. Um, I just think like I was having a conversation with some people earlier today and it just feels like there's no end in sight when you're young and you're in real estate because like what is the goal? You buy a townhouse for a million, then you need to upsize even though you have a bigger down payment, you're taking on a bigger mortgage, right? So you're just always climbing, 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 taking on more and more debt, larger mortgages to get the bigger property. Whereas like you said, Alex, on the flip side of that, if someone has been in the market here for five years, they're probably sitting on a big chunk of money and you can like quite literally buy your house clear title out there, right? Like it can be absolutely life-changing when it comes to cost of living and lifestyle, I guess you should say, right? Like if someone's getting closer to retirement, right? Like in general, we used to talk about people go to the Okanagan because it's cheaper. You go to the island because it's cheaper. But like those places have gotten really expensive now too. So I think Alberta is just the next jump where it's actually still relatively cheap. There's no doubt on the uh, the whole like the cost being the number one factor that people talk about here in, in, in making that transition. And you're right, like looking up at Kelowna, I mean, geez, if you're looking at that city to try and get a break, like don't because you're paying basically as much as you are in Langley or Abbotsford or Maple Ridge at this point right now. You're not really, and if you're moving downtown, you're basically paying almost like crazy enough to say it. Like you're paying almost Vancouver prices downtown Kelowna now too. I mean, the other reason I've, it, and this actually is going back before the pandemic and before, you know, all these affordability issues is just government, people's political thought processes has pushed people out of BC, believe it or not. Um, there's a there's a large amount of uh, people I've spoken to over the years that just don't support the NDP, don't support that that political agenda. And that's the complete opposite party that you have running the province next door. And then people will literally make moves that, you know, are in the position to do so for that reason alone. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to get too political on the podcast for sure. But it goes without saying that in uh, Alberta, they're a little bit more lenient when it comes to things like you just mentioned, the C word which we won't get too deep into and just the approach of anything and related to that, like those guys were basically advocating as early as possible to open up the country and get things moving along, whether you like it or not, a lot of people do like it. And there's a lot of people that are really sick with, uh, like you said, the restrictions uh, locally speaking, and they're just like, okay, done. I'm out. Let's go. Uh, and that's absolutely fair. Another reason to say the least. So, so we talked about, you know, cost of living, uh, uh, of course, being the number one driver, house prices being a massive thing, political environment, um, like just anything else, guys, that you, you heard? I've just found a lot of people in, in the trade industry. So somebody that's, you know, maybe has a background or a degree in a, in a certain trade has found better opportunities to actually make more money in Alberta. There's, there's more opportunities for jobs, whether it's, you know, a lot of oil rigs opening up, a lot of trades supporting that industry. I think I, I heard one client uh, in, uh, he's a welder, so a you know, journeyman welder, was able to make a 20% increase by just moving there um, because of the opportunities on the oil rigs. Over 120 oil fields had just opened up in like the last 30 days, apparently, according to this individual. And uh, he found work like within, within a day of, of looking. And so now he's got a 20% increase on his, his wage, and then just all these affordability reasons we just mentioned, the cost of living is, is far cheaper. So this guy's going to have a very, very different lifestyle uh, outside of work. Yeah, not, not, not to even talk about like taxes. Like, for, of course, you pay one tax in, in Alberta, as you mentioned right there, and a whole lot less tax on gases. I mean, yeah, the cost per liter, our tax, I think our carbon tax per liter is 16 cents. I, I, I think that's right. Somebody might need to fact check that, but I think our our carbon tax is 16 cents per liter. So, you know, you go back to political environment, 
well, what are we doing to help Canadian or help British Columbians pay for ta- uh, for gas? Well, that's one thing you could do for you know maybe the meantime is maybe cut that in half. I don't know. I mean, don't get <laughs> don't want to get too political here, but again, like there's there's no carbon tax there on their fuel. It makes a big difference, and there's there's a lot of other taxes and levies that we that are built into our gas um, that you know are, are I guess hidden or or not talked about, and those taxes just don't exist in Alberta. We talked about the reason why people are moving and the fact that it's happening a lot. I think what's important to talk about now is just why are investors now more than ever, they're like, I don't know what the stats are, I have no idea, but this, but I know that just what we see hearing so much uh, feedback from the market, talking to real estate agents on the ground, talking to people in Edmonton, there are more investors than ever looking to get in and buy in Alberta. Um, and I know there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, I'll start off really quickly and just talk about what you guys just mentioned, right? Like maybe rent isn't as high in in Edmonton or in Calgary uh, than Vancouver, but if you can buy a a property that cash flows uh, and or you can buy a property at 50% of the cost, even if the rent is 20% less, you're still in a fantastic position. So first of all, like actual cash flow opportunities. And that's just in the big cities, not to imagine like the little towns that we'll touch on a little bit here. So from from a cash flow standpoint, Edmonton, Calgary, those cities, still make sense from an investment standpoint. What else are you guys seeing? Like one of the bigger reasons why people are obviously looking at this as an opportunity is because, you know, why is why is the cash flow good? Why is the rent going up? Well, people are people are migrating there and renting too, right? Like there's a lot of people moving to Alberta that can't afford a down payment potentially. So they can't get into the market right now, but they know that they can get a great job. They can make more money. And so there's good renters there. There's renters with good jobs, that are there for the long term. And so from an investment standpoint, you have more renters, rent is going up because there's more demand. And, you know, there's just nothing better than having a sustainable, a sustainable investment property that you don't need to worry about vacancy. I mean, that has been one of the main reasons why people avoided investing there over the last, I don't know, I guess five years or maybe more, maybe even going back 10 years, there wasn't really much appreciation until the pandemic hit there it, it was pretty stagnant for a good eight ten year period of time and and the reason was is like a lot of people left like a lot of oil like oil rigs and 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 plants and all sorts of stuff that fueled the the fuel industry the oil industry they they shut down like there was just no there was the the, the tenancy was not what it is now and uh and that makes a big reason why people are looking to invest there. And then again, you know, one of the big reasons too is appreciation. Like with all this, we are seeing appreciation there. And so if you can get that cherry on top of the Sunday with some appreciation, it's just that added layer. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got obviously the cash flow piece, uh, what you mentioned right there about the low tenancy, uh, you know, the fact that we're actually seeing, I think the stats are, yeah, I found the stats right here to say that uh alberta housing starts are the highest they've been in seven years 33 percent higher than 2020 and what's interesting to note is that even though in bc we're going to see record numbers of people come into uh british columbia um alberta is actually experiencing the same thing they're anticipating like a half million people coming in the next i think 12 to 24 months to alberta too uh so so supply is very very low even though we are seeing uh, more of it come available 
uh, we are seeing the appreciation start to hit that market and come back. I mean, the biggest thing, if you're investing in a market like Alberta, you have to understand it's not exactly the same as like, for example, British Columbia, where things definitely are, are almost always on the upward trend aside from one or two year blips. Uh, Alberta, they definitely go in longer cycles. So you have to be prepared to hang on to that real estate a lot longer, which is massive and it is key. And you need to think about that when you're planning purchasing that property. Um, but the other thing we haven't even talked about, Dean, I don't know if you mentioned this because I didn't hear you talk about was uh, our, our favorite topic when it comes to real estate investing and the, probably the least favorite when it comes to investing in BC, which is the Tenancy Act. Maybe talk about that for a quick second in, in Alberta and how why investors like the Tenancy Act in Alberta. Yeah, and I mean, this is nothing new. This has been this way for forever in, in Alberta, but it is a reason why investors have always looked at Alberta and always had a keen eye on, on getting there is this Tenancy Act. There is no Tenancy Act. We don't, we don't have a Tenancy Act in Alberta like we do in BC. And what that means is, for anyone that's familiar with the Residential Tenancy Act in BC, it, it, it have, it's heavily in favor of the tenant. It, it's tough to be a landlord here. And, and, and the reason being is you can't evict your tenants. It is very difficult to evict a tenant. So a tenant could essentially you know, live in your, your home in BC and not pay you rent for six months. And there's not a whole lot you can do, it, do about it. Um, in Alberta, if, you're, if your tenant doesn't pay rent, you can have them out the door the very next day. Uh, the very next day they can be out the door. Um, if you need to raise rents because your your interest rate went from 2.25% to 5%, I just saw Scotiabank at 5% for a rental rate today. Um, you, you think you're going to want to raise rent significantly. That's a that's almost a you know four or $500 impact on, on a mortgage payment. Um, you can't do that in BC. You can only raise rents by what is it, one point What is it, 1.5%? 1.5%, which is like 15 bucks per... For, right. Uh, <laughs> right. So you can you can double your rent in Alberta if that's what it takes to uh, to fulfill your your obligations. You can do that. And I mean, I don't think many people are doubling their rent, but you know, hey, maybe you have a really poor tenant and you don't want to kick them out, but you want to incentivize them to get out. Uh, well, you can do that. Like it just you, the freedom is is all towards the landlord, and it's very much that it. You know, a lot of investors look at it like buying a commercial property in BC. Um, as a commercial tenant, you you don't have a you know the, the residential tenancy act, of course, and commercial uh, lent, uh, commercial real estate, and that's how it's looked at in Alberta. So you know, as a landlord, it's far far more favorable to sustain your your investment and not deal with professional squatters because they do exist. This last piece I was going to throw in on the investment side of things is <clears throat> just price point in general, right? Like. <clears throat> A lot of people, you know, we run numbers and someone might qualify for a $300,000 rental property. Like that's not uncommon to see that. And again, locally, you're not buying a property. And if you are, it's like not a property you want to buy, right? A bad area, probably a very old building, a condo that's not going to rent for much or you're going to have bad tenants. You take that 300000 to a different province, you're getting a decent home that you can put a decent tenant in with a better te with better tenancy laws and higher cash flow, right? Just in general, it, it makes a lot more sense. You may not see the same level of appreciation, which we've talked about. Um, and it's just different. Like you need, to, you need to have a property manager there, right? You need to have a good property manager. So there's different aspects to look at, but financially, I do think it makes a lot of sense. That's a good point. I don't think you should understate the fact that, you know, $350,000 qualification could actually get you a townhouse, like a nice townhouse uh, in Alberta, right? Where you can't even find a condo that could really make sense here right now. That's yeah. a, 
that's a huge reason. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to qualify for your first rental property. And, and, that, and that could be a great option for somebody that's in that position. You could basically buy a, like a, a relatively new townhome for 250 grand in Edmonton and rent it out for 1800 to, yeah. you know, 2000 bucks. Uh, we've seen that a few, a few times as well. Uh, what's also super popular in Edmonton that we've seen, you know, not, not talking about multifamily right now, and this is maybe an obvious thing, but just in case somebody's listening to this for the first time and they're like, what would I buy there? You know, uh, I've got, again, examples on my desk right now of properties ranging anywhere from about four hundred eighty to five hundred forty thousand dollars of dual income properties a property that has a, a split level so like a piece of its own land and it has a upper floor and a lower floor typically three beds and two beds or three and one that sort of situation and those are renting anywhere between uh i mean the lowest i've seen is about twenty nine hundred dollars but that was in the low end and those folks were going to do uh, a lot of repairs and renovations in order to improve the rent but the average i see is anywhere from 32 to even 3,500 rental income. And again, these numbers on a, on a 500 or a $540,000 mortgage, let's just say 500. I mean, geez, like the actual cost of ownership is, is when you factor in the mortgage, uh, taxes, et cetera, it's like 2,500 bucks and less, like and under. And often that includes insurance, everything else. So, so you're cash flowing anywhere from 500 to 2,000 bucks a month, day one in many circumstances. Some of these are turnkey properties as well. So you don't have to even touch them for years. So compare that to like what you mentioned, like what are people buying in the Vancouver region for uh, 500 150 grand they're buying a one bed um a condo in the fraser valley probably uh it could even be older at this rate right now they're probably getting 1900 to 2000 dollars rent and after you factor in strata taxes expenses they're usually negative three to five hundred bucks uh right now so you know we're talking about a thousand dollar difference uh and it's obviously single family versus uh condominium which is interesting to say so uh definitely some different opportunities that are out there why don't we, uh, so like, what, let's stay on the investment piece here before we uh, strip back to people who are actually making the move and what they're looking to do when they're, they're out there. I mean, uh, Derek, you've done some interesting ones in some smaller towns lately. I mean, any general feedback on what you're seeing out there and any concerns that people are suggesting before they go to these towns or things that you might think could be a concern? I think just in general, when you start looking into smaller towns, you need to understand the resources that are there, right? Actually, someone pointed something out to me and said they always look for a Walmart. If you see a Walmart in a smaller town, it probably has a decent, it has the infrastructure to house a business like that, right? Like Walmarts only put Walmarts in cities and towns that can actually uh, stabilize and hold and, and, and use that facility for a long period of time, right? So that's something to look for. I mean, outside of that, I, you start to see, I see a lot of single family home. I actually haven't had anyone buying condos or strata properties for the most part for investment. I think that's because it's reasonably cheap to get detached homes, but I've seen a lot of uh, multi-dwelling buildings. So like 12 plex, four plex, five plex, six plex. Um, and those can be absolute cash flow machines, right? Um, so yeah, I think that if you're going outside of the downtown city core of like Edmonton and Calgary, you definitely need to understand what's going on in that city. Is it a boom town? Is there a pipeline running through there? Is it like currently a rig town, but that's going to end? You need to think about those kinds of things because those those cities are going to bring in insanely high rental income while the work is actively there. But when that fizzles out, you're going to see those rents come down, right? Boom town. You got to watch out for boom towns. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, like all, all we have to do is look at Fort St. John from a few years ago, right? And uh, I mean, that's obviously an extreme example. Fort, not Fort St. John, um, Fort, uh, one of those forts, I don't know. One of the ones in L. Fort Mac, thank you very much. Oh my gosh. 
uh, from from going back into 2012. There's a lot of people who didn't recover from that and uh, lost a lot of money. Obviously, that was kind of an extreme scenario, and that could happen in other types of areas like that. But to your point, like I think if you're obviously going to smaller cities and smaller towns in these extreme situations, you're definitely taking a lot more uh, risk on. But short-term reward, and if you know when to get out, you can do pretty good. Uh, and I see hear a lot of people looking for these types of opportunities out there, right? Um, you know, over and above that, I mean, I don't know, if, do you guys hear any other concerns of folks that are looking to invest, like any of your clients looking to invest uh, interprovincially and, and anything from a lending perspective that you you would suggest that we talk about here? I got a few things, but I'll leave with you. Go for it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Biggest thing uh, right off the bat is uh, the real estate side of things. And this is something we talk about right off the bat all the time with every client is who's actually helping you find your real estate and your investments. Um, we highly, highly, highly suggest that you're working with investment-based real estate agent. We found a couple that we can you know, recommend on our end of things, but I've had a few clients that just kind of like Google search someone in Edmonton or Alberta and the results didn't come back very strong. The property wasn't very good and they bought in a place that they probably shouldn't have bought in. So that's probably the first thing that I looked out for. Um, and the second thing is interprovincially that some of the lending guidelines are actually a little bit different, just slightly tweaked, and timelines are different uh, when you're when you're buying interprovincially um, compared to locally. There are also different lenders available, uh, both good and bad, in these towns and cities. So that's that's something that I would suggest looking out for. Yeah, we've talked about it all the time. Your team is is everything, and and having the right people support you is is key. And we can definitely support that. All right. Well, let's go back to talking a little bit about just the process of of buying there. And what it looks like. I mean, I know we talked a little bit about buying and making the move and why people are doing that. And then we jumped into investors. But like, if you're listening to this and whether you're thinking about investing there, which obviously reach out to us first and we'll, we'll set up a consultation and talk about that. But if you're thinking about actually making a move there, even more important to get your ducks in a row because a lot of key considerations. So, um, guys, why don't you like, why don't you guys take this away in terms of just generally speaking, some of the hot tips and things to know if you're going to think about moving interprovincially and what you should know before doing so? I think you need to be prepared, especially if you're coming from where we live here in, in the lower mainland, you need to be prepared for the weather. It's it's a lot different uh, living in, in extreme cold temperatures that we, we're not used to here. And, and that's something you should be aware of and, and what that what <laughs> comes with that. But one of the benefits to weather is uh, uh, is we, we experience a lot of rain and you get a lot of sunshine in, in parts of Alberta, especially Calgary. So um that's one thing I would just suggest from just a personal opinion. Uh, I've been to other towns in, in the northern communities and uh, the weather is pretty shocking and it could be very depressing if you're not used to it. Yeah, so from a qualification standpoint, there is there's a lot that you need to know about moving geographically because the first thing a lender is going to think is what happens to your job, what happens to your income. If you're running a business, if you're a plumber in Langley, they're going to question if you're going to be a plumber in Alberta. And if you are, they're actually not going to use your income unless you can prove that your business is staying stable here because they have no clue if you're going to be successful in Alberta. So self-employed, you need to consider that. Your business needs to stay active where it's active if it's a boots on the ground type of business. If you're an employee and you can work remote, great. Your employer needs to know that you're moving because the bank will actually call your employer and say, hey, we're just calling to to make sure that you're aware that Alex is moving to Edmonton. And if they're not aware, obviously that could pose issues for you last minute after you've potentially sold a house and you're trying to buy a house. Um, if you are actually relocating with your employer, again, it all needs to be structured. They're going to want a job letter confirming that. Um, a lot of people just run 
with the assumption that I've been at my job for the last five years, I make $80,000 a year, and that's going to be acceptable going forward. It is absolutely not. They need to know exactly what your income looks like in Alberta. And if you're getting a new job in Alberta, they will physically make you go there. If it's a boots on the ground type of position, you physically have to move there and work enough to at least get one full pay stub before completion of your house. So we've actually had people that have to move, not just Alberta to the island, the Okanagan, wherever, they actually physically have to move out there, maybe leave your family behind, live in a hotel, and you work for three weeks until you get your pay stub right before completion of your new home. So the income standpoint is huge, and you definitely need to think that out and iron that out before you uh, make any big decisions. Yeah, those are all really key points. I think the biggest thing, obviously, that we see on a daily basis is someone that doesn't have a job there and they're like, hey, what if I go get a job there and I just show a job letter? And obviously, typically, that doesn't work for most lenders because you could just say I have a job letter and there's no proof that you're actually going to start and you're going to walk away. So um, that's that's definitely something that we see a lot of. Um, there's other creative ways to do it and different options, but that's obviously where you got to get in, in deep and in, in consultative in that. Um, from an investment perspective, I mean, Derek or Dean, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, again, what the process looks like to get started there. I know we know what it is, but obviously, since someone's listening, you know, run through what that looks like and, and how they get started there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the same no matter where you plan on buying for the most part. One thing I will say is your mortgage broker, realtor, like they need to be licensed in that province. They need to have licenses backing them to actually do business there. So not that it matters to you as a consumer necessarily, you're probably not going to question it, but that is something that's important. Uh, it could cause your mortgage to be canceled last minute. Um, outside of that, you need to get pre-approved. Like we've talked about this a million times. If you've listened to our podcast before, getting pre-approved is hands down the most important part. You need to make sure you're pre-qualified. You need to make sure your down payment's available. Again, like buying rental properties, you can't use gifted funds, all these little pieces that we've talked about before. Outside of that, the process is the same. You need to figure out your price point, you need to figure out your budget, and then from there you start working with your realtor to see what areas you like and what property types you like and what type of tenant you want to find. You need to have a property manager lined up, right? Like you can't wait until two months after your tenant's in there to have a property manager. That needs to be dealt with ahead of time. Uh, the lawyer piece, we see this all the time. BC lawyers can't do a transaction for and do an Alberta transaction, you typically have to work with an Alberta lawyer and a BC notary, right? So that's a slight extra cost. Um, but keep in mind, you're also not paying transfer tax, right? You buy a $500,000 home, you're saving eight grand uh, by buying in Alberta. So yeah, not a huge change in process, get pre approved and and work with your realtor to find a home, but finding the right area in the right, you know, property type in the right building, that's super important. So having a phenomenal realtor is like huge. It's a lot easier when you've grown up in Langley, and you want to buy a house in Langley, you know, the area, you're buying a totally new province for the most part. Yeah, I think it's important to is also do your own research and due diligence, like hopping on craigslist having a look at what average rents are for certain properties that you know you may be interested in um just getting an idea even google earth the area walking around virtually just get to know the area i mean we talk about walmart starbucks being in certain areas i mean there's there's just get to know the area you'd be surprised like if you can't find a starbucks near your your property you may be in a lower income area um as silly as that sounds it's actually true um there's just a lot of things you can just do to feel comfortable about where you're buying without actually having to physically go there. It's a beauty of technology. And I think I would definitely rely on that. And, and I think that's also very helpful for a pre-approval standpoint is a lot of people come in with um, market rent expectations that are not realistic there. Um, you know, the 
the two bedroom townhouse is probably going to be somewhere in that $1,800 range where, you know, here that's, believe it or not, it's probably $25, $2,700. And, and it's just important to understand that 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 rental market rental rate uh, is going to impact your pre-approval as well. Yeah, those are super great points uh, about that piece in general. Uh, I think this is going to be a continued trend over the course of the next year and perhaps beyond, depending on what happens in the market here, locally speaking. Um, and uh, definitely from, from our perspective, we'll see what prices do. Even Alberta, hey, uh, the prices in Canada are all likely to take a little bit of a dip as the Bank of Canada continues to increase interest rates. So perhaps we see even more people trying to invest out that way. And if that's something you're thinking about doing, then perhaps try and get that equity out of your home now get it prepared and see what you can do because over the long term, you know, things will always bounce back. Um, great job, guys. Great episode. We're looking forward to uh, seeing what happens over the next few months here. And if you folks want to find out more about making the move to Alberta or any other city for that matter, whether it's the island, the Okanagan, who knows, Ontario, uh, you know, make sure to reach out, uh, DM us at uh, Thrive Mortgage Co. or find us on our website, thrivemortgage.ca. Just click the form. We'll call you, get you all started and get you moving to wherever you're going. Thanks again, guys, for listening. See you next time.